Adventure Seekers Welcome, Jedi, Ninja, and Wizards Tolerated. I'm your host, Ran Law. All the principles of heaven and earth are living inside you. Life itself is truth, and this will never change. Everything in heaven and earth breathe. Breath is a thread that ties creation together. Moreje Ueshiba. In advanced martial art training, breathing is very important. We generally begin our meditation with a deep cleansing breath. Meditation itself is often focused entirely on counting our breath, the duration of how long we hold our breath, and how long we expel. The deep cleansing breath that we begin and end each cycle with is sometimes referred to as belly breathing. In many styles of karate, they do a very hard type of breathing. Ibuki breathing, I believe, is what it's called, and it uses a lot of abdominal tension and forced exhalation, which is very different from the style of breathing that we use in Dokushi Kempo. In my practice, we begin and end each breathing session with a cleansing breath, the deep belly breathing that I had mentioned earlier, and then in between, we do rapid breathing, something akin to a dog panting or someone trying to hyperventilate. This is very much like the pranayama in some types of yoga. I credit breath training for helping me in some diverse situations I've found myself in. Once while walking across a snowy plain, I discovered that I was standing in the middle of a pond or a small lake. I discovered this quite accidentally when I heard the ice crack and I fell through and couldn't find the hole to extract myself from. Having good breath control helped me as I searched for the opening, and when I couldn't find it, my Kempo breaking skills, honed from the practice of Hemeshawara, helped me create my own escape route. My breathing practice also helped while taking rangers out for their qualification for winter survival in below zero temperatures, camping in the snow with nothing more than the shelters and fires that we construct. During these times, I have taken snow baths in sub-zero weather, nothing that would impress an Inuit or an Eskimo, but it did seem to impress the rangers. I have also swam in mountain lakes full of ice flows with no ill effects, but all of my feats pale in comparison to a man known as the Iceman, Wen Huff. Wen has performed many extraordinary feats, such as running up Mount Kilimanjaro in nothing but a pair of shorts and tennis shoes. He has set well over a dozen cold-weather Guinness records, most of which still stand today. Things like running a half marathon in nothing but a pair of shorts and no shoes, swimming under polar ice, which I believe was broken by someone or other, my guess would be one of his students. And then he also ran through a desert in his book, the Way of the Iceman. He also has another book, Becoming the Iceman, and What Doesn't Kill Us. I would recommend any of these books as they all give us insights into the science behind breathing and they reveal the three pillars that Winhoff endorses for achieving health and vitality. The three pillars, as I recall them, were cold testing, breathing, and persistence and patience in your training. So if you want to get a fast inside track into your yogic breathing, I recommend reading his book. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by joining me on Patreon. 
www.patreon.com backslash randlaw with no space between the rand and the law. I see it's now time for questions with Sensei. Once again, I will be reading Sensei's replies, keeping with the breathing questions. A longtime student requested further information on breath training, asking Sensei what was the proper way to breathe. Sensei's response was, you know, in your nose, out your mouth. I have to apologize. After all these decades of interpreting for Sensei, I sometimes fall into the habit of making a slight variation of his speech pattern and accent. Sensei spoke perfectly good English. It just had a thick accent. As a matter of fact, it was so thick that often when potential students came into the office and didn't recognize that Sensei was speaking English, I was asked to be an interpreter for them. They were always impressed with my linguistic skills and how I could instantly interpret without a moment's hesitation what he was saying. Sensei found this irritating and eventually he asked me not to explain to them that he was speaking English and I was just repeating his words, minus the accent. Although when I was a teenager, Sensei often reminded us that his English was more goodier than ours, as he reminded us that he had graduated college and we were still just in high school. None of us were foolish enough to correct his grammar. But I digress. Sensei went on to point out that he, that long, slow, deep belly breathing was the way to go. Fast, rapid belly breathing was only practiced after years of experience in the long, deep, slow belly breathing. The second question was, how do you know when to start the fast, rapid breathing? Sensei's reply was, your body will know when to begin rapid breathing, usually right after an ice bucket challenge or a polar plunge. It comes in handy in giving birth too, or at least that's what I hear. I decided at this time to ask Sensei a third question, just to throw him a little bit. So I asked him, how do you breathe underwater? Without even blinking, he said with a snorkel. My email address is rand at rand-lawrence.com. And my webpage is www.rand-lawrence.com. That's L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Bill Shakespeare. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools. The way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player. That struts and frets his hour upon the stage. And then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot. Full of sound and fury. Signifying nothing. Billy Shakespeare really had a way with words, didn't he? So we went from the breath of life to wondering if life was worth the breathing. If my experience has taught me anything, having lived and also ceased to breathe for over 15 minutes, as miraculous as things were on the other side, I still believe I prefer this. Although it might be a lot better if someone would have explained what it was that was happening and how to go about the things that I was doing in a more pragmatic method. I guess I hadn't received further instructions because they knew I wasn't going to stay. But we can talk about this type of thing at a later date. The lockdown has really changed a lot of events that had been scheduled to happen, and I have no idea what's going on and when. So if you would like to have your event 
mentioned on this podcast, make sure you send me your information at least a month in advance. It doesn't matter if it's a fair or a writer's conference, martial art events. If you're a listener, then your event qualifies. On the last broadcast, I had been talking about camping with the royal court. One of the best things about camping is practicing while we're out in nature. I, of course, asked my friends and students what they would like to work on, and unanimously, they all agreed that invisibility would be something exciting. We had a brief discussion what invisibility actually meant, as each member of the royal court had a different idea in mind. I don't remember if it was Duke or Earl, but one of those two had come up with the idea of using invisibility once they had mastered it to sneak into movies and other venues, which brought us to a conversation about the morality of utilizing martial arts skills in an unhonorable fashion. After that, we had a discussion of the difference between actual invisibility, menai, or enton, which dealt more with stealth or seclusion. We also discussed how invisibility would be utilized by a Kempo practitioner, not actually turning invisible while you were in the bank during a bank robbery, but being able to evade or hide yourself away while danger was still lurking. Of course, escaping would also be a goal and that had the responsibility of contacting the proper authorities. If you were to ever find yourself in that situation and not utilize your skill to go into the bank vault, as Duke suggested, and pad your nest egg. After we got the basic idea of what invisibility in the martial art practice would be used for, we begin to work on the actual skill sets necessary. The first skill that we needed to work on was acting, because oftentimes blending in with the environment around you, especially if it's a urban environment, you need to look the part and act the part. So we played around with situational suggestions just long enough to determine that no one was going to threaten any of the Academy Award-winning performances from professional actors. After this, we went on to working with cover and concealment, which was more in line with their skill sets and what they had in mind in the first place. To simplify things and demystify them, I explained that good invisibility was nothing more than a game of hide-and-seek or possibly like hunting, as all of the royal court were avid hunters, they related to this well. So we went into a little discussion about the difference between cover and concealment, with cover being preferred when someone was actively pursuing you with the intent to do you harm. Cover would give both protection and concealment, whereas concealment would not stop a bullet. Hide and seek goes to another level when getting tagged puts a hole in you. I explained as a general rule, if you can't see them, they can't see you. But Baron had to go and prove me wrong by hiding behind a sapling just wide enough to cover his eyes, but his ears stood out on either side. After this, we decided that paintball would be a better way to reinforce these lessons. It's true, nothing teaches like pain, but that is a story for another time. Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Until next time, this is Rand Law reminding you, 
to follow your dreams.